Hi, I'm Aubrey. Thanks for joining the podcast for Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live or in person at 9 and 1030 in English or 1145 in Spanish. This year we'll also have three Christmas Eve services. We'll have two indoor at 2 and 3.30 and one outdoor at 5.30. We hope to see you soon. Uh, We're going to open the word together today. Christmas 2020 is here. It's upon us. It's been an unforgettable year, hasn't it? Yeah, there's okay. There's an amen there. For some of you, it was like a grunt or like, oh, I don't know what that feels like to you. But this Christmas promises to be memorable, maybe for a number of different reasons, right? Uh, Before we launch into this upcoming week, that feels a little bit like what the Sunday before Christmas is for me. It's kind of the launching point into Christmas week. But before we do that, can we just pause for a minute? Can we take a breath? Can we exhale? We're going to finish out our Christmas series today, Christmas Light. And I believe the Lord has a word for us today. I, I believe he has something he wants to speak. He wants to say to us, and my prayer today is we're not so busy, we're not so distracted that we would miss it. I believe today we're at the intersection of what God has said and what God is saying. And so because of that, I want to invite us to tune in, um, to hit pause on all of the things, all of the stuff in your brain happening this year, and and to lean in. And so before we open the word together today, um, can we just pray again together? Um, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. To worship you. In this season, Lord, we have to make space for that. We have to make time for that. That doesn't always just happen automatically. It doesn't always happen in the margins of what's left over of our day, of our time, of our energy, of our mental bandwidth. And so today we would, we would hit pause. We would exhale. We would stop in this moment because we want to worship you. We want, we want to lean close. We, we want to, as your children, maybe even crawl up into your lap. Put our head against your chest. To hear your heart beating. To feel your breath in our lungs. And to know that you have some truth for us today. You have something you want to say to us today. You have something you want to speak to us today. And so we just don't want to be distracted today. We just don't want to be busy today. We want to lean close, listen in, open our eyes, open our ears. Thank you, Jesus, for this gift of Christmas that we have. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to dive uh, deep to our final week of our Christmas Light series. If you have not been tuning in with us, if you have missed, uh, maybe this is your first Sunday joining us for a while. Uh, Maybe you have so much going on inside your brain, it's hard to keep track. I get it. Let's review for a moment where we've been uh, together. God created light. 
We know that if we read all the way back to the beginning of the story. We know God created light and it was good. That wasn't our opinion. That wasn't our, that, that was his. He, he declared it is good. In fact, that's the first thing we ever hear God saying throughout history. The first words we ever hear God uttering is let there be light. And it was good. And that moment, that moment of goodness, that moment of creation of light was the catalyst by which all other creation came to be. Everything else that was spoken, everything else that God did and created, it was, that moment was the catalyst for the rest of the story. And so throughout the story of God, we see that light, light is a constant symbol. It's a constant symbol of the presence of the power of God, the prophecies foretold hundreds and hundreds of years before Christmas ever became a reality. The prophecies foretold about the coming of Jesus. Christmas then, what is Christmas? It's the dawning of light. It's, God created the light in the beginning and, and throughout his story. It, it's a symbol of power and of the work of God. But then Christmas, we see in Jesus the dawning of light as Isaiah prophesied on those living in deep darkness. The light has dawned. The light has dawned. And this light, what did we talk about last week? This light brings joy. It brings joy and it calls us to respond. It calls us to a response this light that we experience. And so we're not to just observe the light. We're not just to celebrate the light. We're not just to come and show up and light the candles and sing the songs and go on our way and just acknowledge, no, 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 that we are to walk in the light. That's our call. And so this morning, we come to the final question in our series. And the question for us today is this, what about your light? What do you do about all of this Christmas Light. We've made the case that light is important. It's a powerful symbol within the Christmas story, but, but that's, this is not just a Christmas thing, right? What, what does the Word of God tell us? It tells us literally, God is light. God is light. And, and that His light, the psalmist would say it this way, is a, is a lamp to our feet. Right? His Word is a lamp to our feet. He, he lights our path. Finally, we're to walk in the light, as we talked about last week. This is not just a Christmas idea. But beyond that, there's still something else. There's still something critical, and that's what we're going to talk about today. There is a town. There's a town in southern Norway. It's Rajukin. I've never been there. No way I would have ever heard about it, but, but it's a small town in southern Norway. And what's interesting about this town is it's located in a valley. Now, we can kind of resonate with that being in the valley, right, as we call it here. But this valley, what's unique about where this town was located is the valley where this town was formed uh, is so steep. The mountains around it are so steep and so high that for six months out of the year, this town receives no direct Sunlight. It's hard for us to understand that, but because of where it's located, because of the height of the sun, how high it gets in the sky or how low it gets, that the sun is not able to directly shine into the valley where this town exists. And so because of that, they're not in total darkness. They can see the sun. They can see the sun up all over the mountains. They can see that the sun is out, but they're living in the shadow of the light. They're not exposed directly to the light, right? They, all they get is a glimpse, is, is a glimmer. And of course, we know living in darkness, not having exposure to direct sunlight, that's, that's not good for your health. 
It's not good for your physical health. It's not good for your mental health. So uh, years ago, many years ago, they got together and created this idea. Here's what we'll do. We're going to build a cable car. Now, those are kind of cool anyway, but we're going to build a cable car that a few people at a time during these winter months, during these six months where we don't get direct sunlight, you can take the cable car and ride up to the top of the mountain. And for a few minutes, you could just stand in the light. I mean, you get your vitamin K and all that, but you get to experience the light. But then you got to ride the car back down into town and be in the shadows again. And so that, that was good. But then they had a, a deeper desire to experience the light. And so finally, just three years ago, it made headlines in world news. They created a set of mirrors, a, a set of mirrors. You see them on the screen here. What was the purpose of this? The specific purpose of these mirrors was shining the sun's rays into the middle of their town. Literally, right? They could see the effect of the sun. They could see evidence of the light. But they themselves, during the six-month period, could not directly experience the light until now. Until they, And literally, th these are advanced where there's a computer that kind of monitors and follows the direction of the sun so that these mirrors can continue to shine light. Even in the shadows of winter, the sun can shine directly on them. They had like a party. And in the middle, it's, it's this little area in the middle of the town where the sun will shine. Everyone would gather and they kind of hung out and partied and celebrated, right? Because the light has come. These people were living in the shadows of darkness, but now they experienced the light, right? Now they experienced the light. You see here in this picture, that's what it looks like standing in the middle of the town as the light is reflected, as the light shines brightly. It seems so simple to us. It seems like something we could easily take for granted, but when darkness has been your reality. Light is so beautiful, isn't it? In this town, this town really would have been left in the dark without someone, without something shining the light for them. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today. If you have your copy of Scripture, um, th these are words that maybe, if you're familiar with the Word of God, you, you've heard them before. These are words that we would not normally attribute to the Christmas story. Uh, many of you, as you gather together as family uh, this Christmas, I pray you take a few minutes to open the Word. These probably aren't the words that you would read. Um, probably not the words that, that I would read to my kids as we gather uh, this Christmas uh, morning to celebrate the birth of Jesus. But these words are so important as we uh, finish out our series, Christmas Light. Here's what's happening in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is speaking. He's giving his most famous sermon. His most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. This is not just a message. This is not just, if in my copy of Scripture, it's in, in red letters. That's where Jesus is speaking. And it's not just a couple pages of red letters. What is this? This is Jesus revealing what the kingdom of God is all about. This is Jesus revealing how his kingdom is different than our kingdom, than the kingdom of this world. And in doing so, he's saying some profound things, some prophetic things. And today we're going to lean into just uh, three verses about light. It's Matthew 5, verse 14. I'll have it on the screen behind me, but follow along in your copy of Scripture, your version Bible app, whatever you have there in front of you. Jesus said this. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light 
to everyone in the house. We're going to keep the scripture up here because I just want to pause for a minute. We're going to get to verse 17 in a minute. But I want to stop for a minute and look at just these two verses and what Jesus is saying. And as, again, we always need to look at the context, right? Because we know that the word of God is alive and active and still speaking to us today. But we know Jesus was originally gathering with a group of followers, with those surrounding him. And so what would they have been hearing? What were they catching onto as Jesus was saying? So his hearers would have known as soon as Jesus talks about light, any good Jew, anyone that understood the Old Testament or the Torah would have understood the presence of light is symbolic of God himself. They would not have missed it. That wouldn't have been lost on them. That this idea of light, ooh, 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 wait, that symbolizes God. That, that's the work of God, his work in our world. But the phrasing here that Jesus uses is important, isn't it? Jesus doesn't say, go and be light. What does he say? You are the light. Not, not go and try to be the light. Not go figure out how to shine. No, he says you are the light of the world. And when Jesus proclaims you are the light, he's making a radical statement. He is making a radical statement. He's commanding his followers that they should be what he himself claimed to be. Do you get that? Jesus proclaimed that he is the light, but now he's commanding that his followers would be exactly what he claims to be. That's a radical claim, isn't it? That we are to be reflections of his light. Shine his light. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. What's significant about that? A light is visible, right? Isn't that like the main job of light to be visible, right? It's meant to be seen. It's meant to be noticed. In Palestine, again, the context of what Jesus is saying, it's important to know that, of course, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have a light bulb. They didn't have, um, you know, even like the old school, some of you remember like the clapper and they like the light. I like that, you know, but they didn't have that, right? That's not what they had. So what would they have? They would have a, a small lamp burning oil in the home, Right? And often that light, because that one single lamp would have to give light to the entire home. And even if it was a small home, that one light, what was its job? Its job was to be visible. And so what would you do? You would place it not on the ground, not on a low surface. You would put it up on a stand so that its light could shine, so that it could be visible to all the parts of the home, of, of everywhere. And so this lamp was essential being seen was its function. That's what was important. And so the implication of what Jesus is saying, when he's saying you are the light, the implication is that Jesus said this light should be visible. It should be evident. It's not hidden. It's not tucked away. Jesus did not say you are the light of the church. Jesus did not say you are the light only of your home. Jesus did not say you are light only of the people that agree with you. No, he said you are the light of the world. This is a visible light. This is a vision of something that should be noticeable and seen beyond ourselves, beyond our circle, beyond our safe content. This is light to the world. This light is everywhere. In this proclamation, you are the light. Jesus really gives us two choices. Here's the two choices. You shine, right? Look down here. It gives light. So two choices, right? Choice number one is we shine, we give light, or... What's implication number two? You cover your light, right? right? You, you put it under a bowl. You cover it. So the implication here, again, as Jesus says, you are the light of the world, and the job of light is to shine. The choice here that Jesus gives is either you shine 
or you cover your light. In other words, as believers, we actually have to work not to shine. Because we are the light of the world. And so because of that, either we lean into that, that that if we belong to Christ, if we're being sourced by his spirit, if we're finding our identity and our purpose and our focus and our hope from him, then we are light. And either you shine or you somehow work to cover that light, to subdue it, to put your light in a safe place where it will not be seen by so many people. Let's keep reading. Verse 16 says, in the same way. So building on this idea, right? What does Jesus say? Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's break this down into two parts. Let's look first at this first idea, that they may see your good deeds deeds, good deeds. We know that the New Testament was not written in English. It was translated in English, and its original context, its original language was Greek. And there are sometimes, when when we look at a word like good, I mean, that that word is a good word, but there's other kind of contexts. And and because of that, in Greek, there were multiple words for that word good. There was the most common word for good, which is is kind of what we would think of as, as good quality. Yeah, it's good. But, but that's not the word that Jesus is using here. He's not using the most common word for good. He's using this word in the Greek. It's kalos. And, and that word is a little bit different here because it's not just saying that it's good quality. It's also saying that it's beautiful, that, that it's attractive to those that look upon it. You, you see, Jesus is talking about a light that shines. And when people see this light, they, they see that it's wholesome, and it's pure, and it's rooted in selfless, sacrificial, holy love. It's beautiful. It's attractive. Not attractive like, whoa, look at his light over there. i got to get to know him. Right? No, 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 no. Like it draws you. There's a beauty beyond ourselves, beyond what we can do. It's, it's good. So Jesus says well, when people see that goodness, Goodness not rooted in your morality, goodness not rooted in yourself, but goodness that's rooted in this this holy, perfect love that can only come from him. When that's the case, there's goodness in this light. What what happens? People see your light, they'll see your good deeds. And then what's the result of that? What's the second half of that? They will glorify. They will give glory and praise and honor. They will shine the spotlight on who? On your Father in heaven for the life of the believer it's never about what we have done it's about what God has done the spotlight is not on us the spotlight is not on our glory and man is there ever a time we need to be reminded that and I love you church and I love each and every one of you and I care deeply about what's going on in your life but for the life of the believer we have no claim to ourselves anymore it's not about me it's not about me it's not about you if we are in Christ if we are called to follow him we cannot live our lives just for me anymore Paul says I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me and so of course if we live this life and operate through a lens and a context of it's about me and what I want and how I feel and what's important to me we're going to be disappointed we're going to be disrupted we're going to be constantly overwhelmed because that's not the call for the life of the believer the call is as we shine as they see our good deeds what happens the father in heaven not not, I don't get glory from it I don't get the attaboys. I don't get the spotlight and the praise. No, no. All the glory goes to 
him. It's what he has enabled us to do. It's what he's inspired us to do. It's how he has sourced us to shine light. And so whenever we are focused on the praise and the thanks and the prestige that we will receive, we are not really shining his light. Because Jesus said, what does he say? Let your light shine that they may see your good deeds, but they will glorify your God, your Father, the source of true light. Perhaps one of the reasons that some of our most precious memories, some of our most precious memories at Christmas, maybe because some of those precious memories involve giving, Now, I've got a couple cool memories of getting some things, right? That's awesome. But maybe some of the greatest joy, some of the greatest memories we have this time of year is not truly in receiving, but in giving. Maybe the reason for that is because when we give, we're uncovering the light. We're making sure that the bowl is not covering it. We're making sure that the light is not kind of kicked into the corner down low where no one... But when we give, that light is uncovered. And we're not drawing praise and glory to us, but we're sending all the glory and all the praise to the giver, the creator, the ultimate source of light. And so maybe when we give, his light is most visible in us. Light that is good. It's it's pure and holy and beautiful. And maybe when we give, there's something truly, truly light in that moment. I I was reading in a a magazine recently, they gave the top 10 list of, of Christmas gifts in 2020. Now, these are like kid gifts, you know, so I don't know what you're getting or what you're hoping for or whatever, um, but, but, but I was looking down the list, and I've got some kids. I recognize some of this. I'm going to be honest. There's a few things on here I don't recognize. I'm not really sure I want to know what they are, right? There's this a hasty baker card game. No idea what that is. There's something called a silly poopies hide-and-seek game. I don't, I don't want to know. what I. Please don't tell my kids what that is because I don't, I don't know what that is. There's Batman stuff, Something called a Hair Dorables collectible. I have no clue. There's a Star Wars scooter, a Grouch Couch game. That sounds like some of you, Grouch Couch. Uh, but then number one gift, right? Number one gift this year for Christmas is a Nintendo Switch Lite. Now, I do know what that is, right? I, I'm, I'm tracking enough to know what that is. Man, these are, these are great gifts. Well, some of them are. I don't know about that silly poopies thing. I don't know anything about that, right? right? And look, I love gifts. <laughs> I do. I, I love to give gifts. I mean, I think it's fun to get gifts sometimes. I'm okay to admit that. I don't have to be so proud. No, I don't. Oh, no, I, it's fun, right? I love gifts. But here's the truth of the greatest gift this Christmas. And it's really twofold. The greatest gift that we can receive is his light. And the greatest gift that we can give is his light. There's nothing, there's nothing about this statement that you're going to read and say, oh, I've never thought of it, but, but let's lean in for a minute because I think this is profound for us. I think for some of this, this could change the trajectory, the course of your present reality and your future. Because here, here's the truth for us. And this is a continual ongoing process. This is not like a past tense process. This is a continual in this moment right now process of allowing God to work. But the truth of this is that... that not just through Christmas, but throughout our life, throughout our journey as believers in Christ, it's a constant process of receiving his gift of light and then in turn giving that gift of light. And unless you're doing both, unless you're getting both of these down, somewhere within you is going to feel disrupted. Somewhere within you is going to feel a little disjointed. Something within you is going to feel a little bit off. Let me tell you a little bit more briefly 
as we prepare to close in a few minutes. Let's begin with this first part, receive. And I've talked about this before. I like to talk about this at Christmas because some of us are terrible receivers. Um, We're we're bad at that. You know, we, we like to give gifts. But when somebody gives us something, we get a little bit ticked off. I didn't know you were getting me something. I would have gotten you something. How much did this cost? Now i got to get you. All that stuff. I know you do it, okay? But, but that's, that's what we do. But it's so important that we talk about receiving this time of the year because um, what does receiving uh, imply? Receiving a gift makes us stop and consider, even truly embrace, that this is a gift. This is not something that we can earn. This is not something that we deserved. It's a gift. A gift is not something that you've earned. If it's something you've earned, that's called payment, right? That's called compensation. That's not a gift. That's, I did this, I got this. But that's not what a gift is, right? A gift is is a gift. It's unearned. It's undeserved. It's given without motives. Without It's given because. And to receive this gift, to receive the gift of his light, is to have to acknowledge, I didn't earn this gift. I don't deserve this gift. That, that Jesus, light dawning into my darkness, I can't earn that. I can't pay that back. There's not a payment plan that I can get on to somehow make up the debt that was paid. This is a gift. This is a gift. And it's a gift that we receive. To receive this gift is to walk in the fullness of what it means to embrace this gift. To walk in the light. What does Ephesians 5 say? It speaks of to live as children of the light. And when Paul wrote that, you know what I think he's talking about? I think he's talking about living as children who receive the gift of light, who receive the greatest gift that was ever given and walk in the fullness of that gift. That we live as children of the light. This is an ongoing process, not just a one time, I prayed the prayer, I received it. No, no, this is a daily, moment by moment, as we wake up in the morning, as we look ourselves in the mirror, we have to decide today, do I receive the gift of unmerited favor, grace that I couldn't earn, Jesus born for me that I could never repay? Do I receive that today? And if the answer to that is yes, it changes everything. It changes everything. This is a moment-by-moment process of receiving the greatest gift given and allowing that light to break through in your reality, allowing that light to dawn again and again and again and again, moment-by-moment-by-moment, receiving that gift. And why is that so important? Because until we receive that gift of light, we have nothing to give. We have nothing to truly give anyone. I, I love you. You guys are good looking. Even online, I've seen some of you there. You're, you're good looking people. But the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word is you and I have nothing to offer apart from him. We have nothing to offer apart from him. And so if, if this season of Christmas and this season of our lives is about trying to give and serve and love, but it's not done out of a place of his love living in us. If it's just done out of our goodness and our morality, and man, there's an end to that. And that that only gets us so far. And that's so short-sighted. But if, if we give not out of what we have, but out of the abundance of what he has done in us after receiving his gift of light, now we can give. Now we have something to truly give 
It's never been as important in 2020 to get our minds off ourselves. That's why this idea of giving is so important. Even now, think about it. We thought a lot about ourselves this year, haven't we? Am I going to get sick? Am I okay? Am I going to have enough money? Will someone I love be okay? We've had to intentionally focus a lot on me, me, me. And so when we come to the story of Christmas, we have to intentionally reorient our brains. Yes, yes, man, those questions matter. And it's natural for us to care about those concerns. But ultimately, the truth of the gospel is it's not about me. And so when we come to the Christmas story and we're reminded to give, it may be the most important season we've ever had to give to remind ourselves it's not about me. It's not about me. And in giving... And giving, when we, when we shine this light, the light that we've received and now the light we give, there's, there's healing that can happen. There's something that can happen deep within us as we take the lid off of our light and we feel like we don't have that much to give, but we offer it anyway. And we get, get the attention and the focus off of ourselves, even when it's hard, even when it's painful, even when we feel anxious and afraid. We lean into this idea of, not just receiving his light, but giving his light to others. I dare you today. I dare you today. I dare you this week. I dare you to give, to give, to live in the moment, to look for an opportunity. And today you may say, I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything to give. I'm not just talking about your money. In fact, some of us, money is an easy thing to give. Maybe today, what it means to give his light, to shine his light, has nothing to do with your wallet or your checkbook. Maybe for some of us, the greatest opportunity to give, to give, uh, allow his light to shine us through us is to pick up the phone and make a call. To walk across the street, to show up for somebody. You know, what a radical way to give light, to shine light to others, to inconvenience yourself for just a minute to show up in the life of someone else? Who is somebody that you could encourage today? Maybe you're saying, I don't even know where to start. Well, I love this a phrase that I use often. I, I talk about it just personally, that Andy Stanley once said, he said this, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You may look around and say, well, there's needs and there's stuff. I don't know where to get. I don't know where to start. Man, just pray and ask the Lord, who's one person? Who's one person that I could shine light? I could give light to this. I don't have money. I don't, I'm a terrible baker. I don't want to bring up my muffins, you know, but, but what could I do? Who is one person? I promise you, if you pray that today, I promise you, if you pray that now on your way home, wherever you you are, the Holy Spirit will reveal one person, one life that you can shine light. You didn't think you had anything to give, but as you receive the gift that was given to you, you realize, I can shine. I can encourage. I can show up. I, I can listen. I can sing a song. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're not a singer, right? Whatever I can do to shine light. Where do I start? Start with one. Start with one. Pray and say, Lord, how can I shine for one person? this season. We're going to close this morning doing one of my favorite things to do at this time of the year, and that's receive communion. You, you receive some elements on your way in, and online family, we're going to give you a minute to find your elements wherever they are at home. You know, oftentimes, and, and rightly so, when we think of communion, we think of Easter, right? Because Christmas is Jesus arriving, but his ultimate destination was what? The cross. 
And so we think of communion, the remembering of his body and his blood. We think of that as Easter. But I love leaning into the elements of communion this time of year. You see, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he he knew, he knew. Years later, after coming, the dawning light, right, in that manger, he knew that his ultimate destiny was the cross. He knew what was before him. And so as he sat with his closest friends, as his followers, and he, he would take the bread and he would take the cup, he said something that's really profound. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And before we receive the elements this morning, I want you to lean into, because, you know, I think Jesus knew that we would get distracted. I think Jesus knew some of us would get a little complacent sometimes, or a little busy, or a little too focused on me, me, me. And so I think Jesus knew as often as we could, we would need to be reminded Do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Don't forget the greatest gift you could ever receive. Don't forget. Don't be so busy trying to shine your light, trying to do your thing, trying to live out your, that you forget the greatest gift that was ever given for you. Do this. Remember me. Remember me. Jesus knew that maybe every so often we would need a tangible reminder of the greatest gift we could ever receive. And in receiving that gift, now we have something to give, right? Now we have something to offer. Some of us think we had nothing to offer the world around us. We had nothing to offer. But now in receiving this gift, we realize what a gift I have received, what a gift I can now give. So today, I want to invite you to stop wherever you are. Stop for a minute. Just a moment, we're going to receive. You didn't earn this gift. You can't pay it back. What a gift. Jesus born for us. What a gift. Light dawning in your darkness. Today, I want us to just stop. I want us to receive that gift. And in doing so, I I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that your reality changes that your perspective changes, that your light begins to shine, not covered under a bowl, not hidden away in the world, but but you begin to shine your light brightly as you realize the greatest gift we could ever receive is his light. The greatest gift we could ever give is his light. Would you join me now in taking the bread? It represents his body that was broken. Why was his body broken? Because you and I were sinners in need of a savior. There was a debt that we deserved to pay, but he took our place. And when he died on the cross, his body was broken for us. So take now, receive this element. And as you do, be grateful. Remember, remember the gift that was given for you. In taking the cup, we remember. We remember that that Jesus was nailed to the cross for us. By his wounds, we are healed. That's what the prophet said. And so in receiving this gift today, there's healing for us. There's hope for us. There's light dawning in the midst of the darkness. There's freedom and walking out from underneath 
a life that just has to be about me, me, me. There's freedom in knowing as I receive this gift, I can give, I can shine, I can be the light that Jesus promised I could be. Would you receive now this gift as we remember his blood that was shed for us? Would you pray with me now? Jesus, I pray today. I pray for those watching with us online, worshiping with us from their homes and their communities. I pray today in this moment they would receive the gift of your light, of your hope, shining brightly even in the darkness of their life. That your light has dawned and we receive now. We remember that gift. We don't, we don't take it for granted. It's not just a speed bump on our way through the holiday tradition. We pause now and we receive your gift. And in doing so, we acknowledge that we have something to give because of what we've been given. Now we can be your light. We can shine. We can be the light of the world in a world that needs light. You're not just inviting us, you're calling us as we receive your gift. Now to give that gift away, may this week, may today, may this afternoon, may we be reckless in our pursuit of loving other people. May we give extravagantly, oh, maybe it involves money or resources, but maybe it's our time. Maybe it's, maybe it's our patience. Maybe it's our presence. May we lavishly shine light as you lavishly shine your light on us. Make us different. Make the community around us different because your light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. We rest in your promise today and we celebrate who you are. You're good and you love us and you're faithful. We receive now your light and we give your light away. Thank you, Jesus. What a gift. What a gift we've been given. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening today. If you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at a beacon of As soon as you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.